You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. This is Adam Griffin, and before we get to our topic of the hour and our guest, let me first introduce my two lovely co-hosts. First, the always hip, always caffeinated, Mrs. Cassie Bryan. How are you doing today, Cassie? I'm good. I overslept today, so I'm, I'm grateful for the caffeine. Good. Need it. Wait, that should be opposite, right? Because I got more sleep than normal. I shouldn't need the caffeine anyway. Well, you're ready. Either way. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm and, here. With the and coffee. then the woman who changed me for the better, Chelsea Griffin. How are you doing today, Chelsea? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm going to keep changing you for the better. You're like a little lump of clay in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> lump, lump of clay in the hands of the potter, Chelsea Griffin. Indeed. Uh, and what a, what a fun treat to have with us today, our good friend, Jordan Rogers, on this episode. How are you doing today, Jordan? Hey, everybody. So honored to be here. I'm oh, a, I'm a P1 of the Family Discipleship Podcast, so I'm so happy to happy to be <laughs> talking to you guys uh, finally. That's awesome. P1 of the Family Discipleship Podcast. <laughs> it's great to have you, Jordan. This is so great. Uh, Chelsea, you're good friends with the Rogerses. How do you feel about Jordan coming on here with us today? What's your oh, excitement level? Oh, going to be level? great. I listen to Jordan Rogers talk all the time, and, um, and now we're going to do it in a more formal setting and then make other people listen to it. So I think that's uh, for the good of everybody yeah. everywhere. So I'm excited to have Jordan here with us. Well, we don't want to—we need to hide the disappointment. You're doing a good job of hiding the disappointment that Rain is not here with us, my lovely oh. wife, uh, who we'll discuss. I know. We would love to have Rain on. She's the real treat. I tell everybody that I'm happy to speak in front of any microphone put in front of me, but the people who shy away from the microphone are probably who we need to be putting in front of, and that would be my That's wife. Right. She's, she's got some Does, does Rain really and, shy uh, away from a microphone? And blessings as well. I said that last night to her. She said the same thing. She was like, I don't shy away no, from Rain, a Rain doesn't think she wants to share. <laughs> I guess I just like, I guess I, she does. You're right. She's got hot takes, but I just sort of am drawn to them, you know, or, or yeah. I just speak often and and uh, anyway, so I, I always relish people who aren't so quick to speak and I envy them. Um, in many ways. Yeah, I think you've got a more of a platform from which to speak in some ways, and Rain mm-hmm. needs a platform. We need to get her <laughs> writing, right. speaking. We need to get her out there, man. She can have my position on yeah, the podcast. Okay. Let's just, <laughs> I approve platforms. her replacing me. Cassie, don't you start. All right. Don't you dare try to like spontaneously retire from the podcast. Well, like we said last week, this season, we're going to do a bit of an eight-episode thematic arc. We're doing an episode on each of the four pieces of the Family Discipleship Framework, and after each episode, we'll have a guest on for a conversation related to that part of the framework. Today, we're going to talk about processing your past with your family, which is related to what we talked about in last week's episode about modeling. Before we get into today's topic, Cassie, can you kind of give us a quick summary of the framework of family discipleship? What are modeling time moments and milestones so we can kind of reset? Happy to. Yeah. So we have, we think through family discipleship in like four different buckets. Uh, and these buckets come naturally because they're things you're already doing, but it's really kind of using your energy to point your children to the gospel through these things. So modeling would be you're living a life you love and you worship things. And so ideally, if you love and follow Jesus, then it's out of an overflow of your life and modeling that relationship with Jesus that you are discipling your kids and they're looking to you to model uh, what they should love, what they should worship, how they should spend their time. The time bucket is that intentional time that you think about and you plan and you kind of prepare uh, to be in God's word with your kids or in worship or in prayer. And so it's it's that time once a week. Maybe you're one. Maybe you're a go getter and you're doing it every day. Maybe you're a once a month or where you're you know when the time is right. But you're thinking ahead. You're planning for it. You're prepared for it. 
moments is those like everyday, you know, when you're a parent, you've got a thousand moments that you're having conversations with your kids. And we're hoping that we leverage those moments for an opportunity to share the gospel and to share the love of Christ with your kids. And so that's in the car, if that's moments of um, discipline because they've been disobedient again, or moments of uh, you asking for their forgiveness because you've been disobedient disobedient again, that's kind of the moments um, idea. And then milestones are these like big life events in the life of your family or the life of your kid where you're going to erect an Ebenezer of sorts that you can look back on and uh, celebrate God's faithfulness. And so that would be uh, maybe moving into a new home or a baptism in the family or a birthday, a special birthday, or it can be every year on a birthday. So those are the milestones. Those are the four buckets that we kind of think through family discipleship. Thanks, Cassie. Uh, yeah, next week we'll talk about family discipleship time. And then the week after that, we'll have an interview with uh, Ruth Cho Simons, which I'm really excited for you guys to hear. Today, obviously, we're talking about processing your past with your family, which is an important part of how you might consider family discipleship modeling is thinking about your own mistakes, thinking about how you'll communicate uh, mistakes you've made to your kids, either present or past, but certainly in the past. And I think this is a really important conversation. Every single parent that this podcast is reaching And every church worker it's reaching is an imperfect person, somebody who's made mistakes when it comes to money, mistakes when it comes to sex or substances, uh, to the way we've spoken to each other, to our jobs, our relationships. Maybe your past involves crime, maybe it involves trauma, but everyone has a history and every one of us will have to determine at some point, if you're a parent, how will I or when will I or should I or whether I will share my past with my kids? How will I tell them some of my own personal history? And that's part of the reason I'm excited to have one of our dear friends, Jordan, with us. A lot of parents may decide that there's a lot of their own past that they will never share with their kids. But here you are, Jordan, and your story's out there on the internet. You did a I Am Second testimony from the famous white chair under the light. So your story, it's out there. There's a day coming when your son Cal is going to be on the internet. He's going to look up and there's going to be the story. I looked it up yesterday. Do you remember, do you know what it's titled right now, Jordan? Did you see what it's titled? Oh gosh, the the YouTube cover image. Yes. Yeah, it says uh, Dope Fiend. Um, I think uh, (laughs) that was a marketing, and, and in fairness to them, I think they pulled some of my quotes in the six years since I've done that film, uh, probably seven years now, probably my verbiage has evolved. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Don't, don't refer to myself and others as dope fiends too much, but uh, it's, it's a little uh, colloquial term that people in recovery would use and kind of use it funny, but uh, I try not to use pejorative terms. Uh, this is already my others. favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just buckle up, Cassie. Yeah. <laughs> we got more on that case. I love it. <laughs> uh, when you were doing that video, did it ever cross your mind that one day, you're telling a story that one day you might have kids and they might tune in and watch it. Did that cross your mind at all when you were doing that? Definitely. Definitely did. So uh, for those people who don't know, I've been in recovery almost 20 years now. I recovered from heroin addiction um, after and in spite of a year of incarceration. I, myself, and my wife, Rain, will discuss in a bit, but Rain and I met in recovery. Rain was also in recovery, has been um, in recovery for a long time. We were active members in our recovery community. So that was primarily having one foot in the 12-step community. As we evolved and got more active in the church, we really felt it was important to keep one foot planted in the recovery community. We didn't want to fall into the kind of holy huddle thing where you you leave the community that you're in. After all, like 
you know, scriptures like be in the world and not of it or go and make fishers of men. And so we wanted to to stay there and, and had a lot of, you know, success and testimonies of of great stories of continuing to do that. And so as as Rain and I started to think about kids, we had a, a real challenging journey to to have kids. So Adam and Chelsea Yell were there with us walking through that that whole time. We went through four miscarriages. So I think at the time that I was doing this one, we might have been pregnant. Uh, no, no, no. We were we were pregnant with Cal. And so, uh, yes, I was certainly thinking about it. But the reason I just told you that whole backstory was because we had always been planted in recovery. So that means like, you know, going to meetings, trying to carry the message, mentoring, sponsoring people, going into treatment centers, going into detoxes, going to jails, telling our story, pulling, trying to pull people out of that environment. And so despite the fact that I perhaps maybe had a platform on social media or whatever, I never told my story publicly. And I was pretty intentional about that. I, I felt like God was, you know, putting parameters on me and I wanted to honor that and stay humble and not like have the danger of like trying to be some big speaker or whatever. And so I was always very intentional that like, if God presented that opportunity, then I would take it. And the I Am Second film was very much that, like that came to me through a mutual friend I had been in home group with. And he like always joked that he was my PR guy after hearing my story and he would pitch my story to different people. And he finally did to a guy at I Am Second. And uh, the guy was like, yeah, yeah, this isn't going to be a film. This will be a nice little blog post. All right, let's just have lunch with the guy and see. And I told him my story and he was like, oh my gosh, this has to be a film. And so mm. even through there, there were a bunch of uh, hoops that had to be jumped through. I have a, you know, I work for a large corporation and so I had to get some PR sign off there. So there were a lot of hoops to be jumped through and I tried to be open-handed about, all right, God, if you really want this story to be public, then I'm going to let you do your work here. And if so, then we'll cross that bridge when we get to it in terms of when my kids hear this story eventually someday. Yeah. Jordan, for those who don't know, I mean, you just kind of talked about your story uh, a little bit, but how would you or tell us about, you know, a low and a high from your past? The low, I I think I reference in the film, but, you know, I've been kind of living in this pink motel, shooting heroin and cocaine and um, strung out and, and got essentially arrested and court ordered to go to a treatment center, which was a good fortune at the time. And after a while, it was just kind of acting crazy as people sometimes do when they come off of sub several years of substances and uh, they kicked me out. I, and what that meant was they arrested me and took me back to jail. And so mm. in all of my previous times I could it, that I would get have a run in with the law, it was always because I was under the influence of something. Well, here I was like, I think two months, maybe 90 days clean and sober, and I was sitting in a jail cell. And mm. that was like a real low moment, because uh, I had nothing to blame it on but myself mm. at that time. And so the story I, I often reference is that I was sitting there in this like purple county holding jail cell with a lot of other men. And two men were arguing over the toilet paper roll. And one of them wanted it for its intended purpose. And the other was using it as a pillow uh, laying on the concrete floors that we were all surrounded by. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but that just was like this moment. I had been in much worse places before, but I was just like, God, this is not what you made me for. Like, yeah, I absolutely deserve to be here, but I don't want to be here. And I don't feel like I belong in this place. I feel like maybe there's something more for me. And I think the high for me, there's, there's been multiple moments, but you know, my wife and I traveled to Europe a couple of times and I've also gotten to travel to Europe a couple of times for my job and just do like ridiculously cool things. 
And I think when I'm over there in an international perspective, I tell people often like an addiction, your world becomes really, really small. It's a disease of isolation that they often talk about. And so you, you pull away from a lot of people. You end up where I spent most of my time in like a motel bathroom in a dark mm. place. I was living nocturnal, mm. surrounded by no one in this little corner of Dallas. And then in recovery, my life, my world gets so much bigger. I can go, I meet so many cool people uh, like mm. yourselves. Um, and I, the world literally just becomes bigger and I start to get exposed to incredible things. So when I'm sitting in like Paris in the Louvre or in like Rodin's museum of all his incredible sculpture or like in the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, like those are moments that are like, wow, like there's so much more out here and there's so much history. Uh, anyway, th that's probably low and high for me. And then of course my wife and I, after going through several miscarriages, having uh, not one, but two beautiful, healthy, mm. intelligent, smart, incredible children is remarkable. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. your kids are beautiful. Thank you. Um, I love what you said about your world getting bigger. And I've seen that for you guys in the church as well. Like you said, in, in addiction and mm. drug abuse, you're surrounded by no one. And now in the church, even if you go from city to city, you find yourself in a new place. You have brothers and sisters everywhere you go. I love this. Yes. Well, have you guys thought much about exactly how or when or if you guys are going to process your personal stories with your kids? Y'all have, have a plan? Sure. Yes. Well, um, preparing for this podcast helped us think about it much more. Uh, <laughs> That's I'll awesome. That. <laughs> We're here to help. Thank you. Thank you. So you've done me a great service. Um, I actually want to acknowledge, I don't feel like I talk publicly enough about my family growing up. Um, I had really positive, persistent, gospel-saturated parents and grew up in a home like that. And the older I get, the more I realize how fortunate I was for that. And so uh, my parents, actually, when my sister and I, I, I can't remember, I don't know, 11, 12, 13, uh, somewhere around there, told us, you know, they grew up in like the hippie era, you know, and had a, had an interesting past and weren't always believers and, and all that. And so they told us their story of like kind of going into darkness and struggling with different things and then how God redeemed them and how they came back and, and, and all that. And it was a bit of a warning. You know, I think for me, once I started going down the path of negativity or kind of just wanting to going down the path of, of drugs and alcohol and things like that from a pretty early age, I convinced myself that like, oh, well, look at my dad. He's successful now. He's like this computer guy and he has a family and he has two kids and he, you know, has a nice house and in the suburbs. And so like, oh, well, we can all just like go south and it will all work out later. And mm. so I don't, I, I just share that as like a, you know, how I kind of twisted it, but I don't think I would change it because, you know, if you do the opposite and you don't tell them your story, I think you just go, oh, my parents, they're square. Like, what do they know? Like, you know, they don't know anything. They can't relate. And, and they did often, you know, they would, they would try to relate as I was going through my, my challenges and did. So I think it'll be very similar. Um, you know, waiting kids, maybe in the era of the internet grow up a little earlier. So we'll have those conversations. We're already kind of planting those seeds. Like, Adam and Chelsea, you know about the prison ministry that I work with this, this past year. Um, Rain and I continually sponsor, mentor people. So there's always like people kind of coming in and out of the house, like aren't always like buttoned up in suits, you know, whatever. It's like there's 
people tattooed, <laughs> smelling like smoke, you know, whatever track marks on their arm, whatever it is. Like, yeah. and we're we're okay with that. Like, you know, we want that. And we had that when we were in Portland. Yeah. Um, and and we have that here. So we're already planting some of those seeds. You know, Cal the other night on Tuesday night, I put him to bed usually every other night. But Tuesday night, hey, Daddy's gonna go. Got to go help his people. Um, oh yeah, what people are you helping? Okay, well, there are people coming out of prison, you know, oh, well, why do they go to prison? And we start to even have these conversations at five about like, because everybody just teaches you in all the cartoons, like uh, good people don't go to prison, bad people go to prison. That's where bad people go, right? And so right. we have conversations about like, well, you know, each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. Some, some There are many factors that cause people to end up in, trapped in incarceration or in mm-hmm. prison, you know, and, um, and fortunately, God... God forgives all of us and God Amen. wants to redeem all of us. And it is our yeah. responsibility and joy to be able to kind of enter in and try to help those people get back onto their feet, you know? So we're thinking about that, probably be a little bit older. And I think, yeah, we'll be as honest as age appropriate and evolve yeah. it from there. But I think it opens up a really awesome window to have conversations like the one I just mentioned. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, Family 10, to get 10% off your entire order. Hey listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. Well, I think you and Rain are so good at looking at how your past has become your passion, like how what you have gone through has become something that you guys invest so much in, and your kids couldn't help but see that. You know, so when they get to see dad and mom helping people, telling people about Jesus, it's because mom and dad have met Jesus. Mom and dad have been in the dark places. 
No, yeah. I love that. Cassie, thinking about parents just in general, whatever anybody's story is, whether it's more mm. like Jordan's or whether it's totally different in general, what do you think are some of the important things to consider when a parent's thinking about processing their past with their family? What are maybe some general things that we can help yeah. parents think through? Well, I mean, first, hopefully you've processed your past, right? Let's not assume everyone listening has even Good. thought about their past um, or really done that work because it is work. And um, gosh, we were so blessed back at the village days when we had the recovery and the steps. And I think we all have our own, you know, Eastside has their own kind of version of that through their gospel care class. Or do y'all do steps? We do steps and we have restore groups. Yep. Restore groups. And then Northway, we have the gospel care class and it just helps you kind of have some framework for thinking through your past and some of your mistakes and this, you know, the journey that God has brought you on. And so first I would encourage if you haven't done that work to do that, to go ahead and process it, you know, in community with people. Um, yeah. Can I say something about of, that real quick, Cassie? Yeah. Cause I think yeah, some please. people will associate those programs at churches as like, well, I'm, I've never been addicted to drugs, so that's not for me. Or I've never, right. I don't know. They, they associate it with some kind of different version of their past. And right. maybe they think, oh, my trauma doesn't compare to somebody else's or my past doesn't. Going through a meeting with a counselor, meeting with a pastor, going through a program is something I think you're exactly right. Everybody should consider processing their family of origin, the things that have happened to them, the things they've done. Yeah. Because even it's so interesting that Jordan's parents, you know, raised him in a gospel centrality. Like part of his past is being taught the gospel and even how he processed his parents' past and justifying how he was, you know, it's like all of that's just interesting parts of your story, Jordan. And even how like God, you know, used that. I think about you in that cell thinking God made me more for more than this. That Mm -hmm. even requires a framework. Someone taught you that you, you know, about Imago Dei or that Mm -hmm. God even made you, you know, let's not take for granted that um, you were taught that. So all of that to say, I would say, like, do that work. And then, gosh, you know, praise God for a, a Bible that is full of stories of broken past. You right. Know, I think about like our kids, even in the story Bibles, we see that Paul, you know, had a hard past and then had a conversion. You know, we see the prodigal son, we see stories and then we can kind of start even in small ways saying like, well, I had a season like the prodigal son or, you know, and I, I remember running from the father or thinking that his presence wasn't what's best for me. And I just wanted his stuff or, you know, I was like Paul in this way or the Pharisees. I mean, there's just a lot of opportunities throughout scripture to relate to the people that we're reading with our kids and to talk about how God brought us through that season. I think it's important to remember and to really show our kids that there is therefore now no shame or condemnation for those who are in Christ. And that's one of the reasons we can process our past because we don't have to be Uh ashamed by it. And so I think that's an opportunity to just remember the freedom that comes from remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross. Um, And then I even love what Jordan said about how like, by the grace of God, we are more than our worst moments, you know, and our kids, you know, I don't know. I have a kid that particularly struggles with perfectionism and feeling like ashamed every time there's a mistake made. And I'm like, you're so much more than your mistakes. Like this is that your story is not going, the title of your story is not going to be, you know, your mistakes, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but God can redeem all things. And so, can I just give credit to uh, Brian Stevenson? That that quote is from him, which says, uh, "Each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done." Oh, yeah. Which is which is a uh, a in my mind a remix of the gospel, right? You know, it's a shortened version yeah, exactly. of, of that, right? So, anyway, that'll come out of Just Mercy, an amazing book. If no, anyone hasn't read it. Oh, great. Thank you for citing your sources, Jordan. I appreciate it. Always. (laughs) Always. (laughs) 
Uh, Jordan, I don't know if you ever hear this, but I know, you know, we speak to a lot of parents and there are parents who feel like because they have a checkered past that maybe they don't have the ground to stand on to tell their teenager or their young kid not to do something uh, because they themselves, the parent has been engaged in it. Like, who am I to tell my kid they can't have unbridled access to the internet? Who am I to tell my kid they can't listen to certain kinds of music? Who am I to tell my kid they can't do drugs or they can't hang out with this crowd? Because I did that. There are parents who feel like it's hypocritical if they're telling their kids not to make the same poor choices that they themselves made. Can you help us? How do we encourage a parent who feels disqualified from leading by example? Or what do you encourage people? Maybe you've had that talk in the recovery environments about how they talk Mm -hmm. to their own kids about their own mistakes. Yeah, sure. Well, I think Cassie, you brought up some great points. If we're not, if we haven't done the work, we can't expect them to do some of that work. And so there's a lot of work that, that I think it's, it's doing it, on, on ourselves. I, I read a quote one time, I think that says we can't lead our children any farther than we're willing to go. And so like, mm-hmm. if we haven't gone to do some of that tough work, um, if we haven't gone to start, start leading by example, which is like the start, then, then yeah, then we, we need to address that first. And y'all Good. have that in, um, in modeling, right? Uh, how the first thing is love yourself, take care of yourself yeah. before you can love your neighbor or you can love your spouse. And so I think parenthood is that ultimate and recovery was was like that for me as I was mentoring young young men. Like, okay, if I'm asking this guy to do something, I gotta be I gotta be willing to do it, you know. So, uh, parenthood is the ultimate yeah. example of that. Okay, am I leading by example? Okay, if I'm asking my kids to not listen to I don't know something vulgar or whatever, well then am I am I uh, listening to the clean right. version of everything? Um, if I'm asking them not to watch violent things, well, then how much violence am I ingesting into my eyeballs? You know, so yeah, I I I think that's the first, and then part of this is that we've gone before them, and and it's our job to help try to help them see, be the guide through life, to help them see the pitfalls that are there, and so I think that's going to be a lot of of yeah. mine. I I know that there wasn't a lot that people would say to me that I would listen. I, but I, I, I've thought a lot about my versions of how I would talk to kids rather than just say no, maybe addressing mm-hmm. uh, one of the phrases. So I went and spoke to some junior high kids recently and um, it was this whole just just say no kind of thing. And I, I just philosophical differences with that. Some, of course, we'd want them to say no, but can we go deeper than that? And yeah. my advice to them was like, in order to heal it, you have to feel it. Oh, Here's one. Heal, healing is not linear. Feel the feels. You've got to like, so for me, why, why do people turn to drugs and alcohol, right? They're often trying to escape something uh, that they can't really deal with, right? And so for me, it was like, how do we talk to them about how to be able to like move through some of these feelings that we're struggling with, the things that we want to escape? How do we meet them where they are and those those kinds of things? That's helpful. I, I do think there's, I want to give a parent permission to say, if you've made the mistake, you may know better than anybody. Why you should yeah, warn your absolutely. kids against it. Yes. Like you're talking about, Jordan, like I want I want the parent to be walking in sobriety in every sense of the word in order yeah. that they might guide their son or daughter in it. But no son or daughter has a rightful excuse to say, well, dad, you did this. Therefore, it's okay if I did. Or dad, you made this mistake. It's my turn. Let me make my mistakes for myself or or to glorify some part of our parents' testimony that says, you know, the exciting part of your story, dad, is the motel room, is the running mm-hmm. from the police. No, like that's the darkest, yeah. the deepest, the hardest, yeah. not not the yeah. guess how hard I partied. It's the look how far God, Christ has lifted me up since then. Yeah. Chelsea, I want to I read you a verse and I love it. If you could help me unpack 
what part this truth plays in this conversation. This comes from 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Chelsea, can you help us unpack that verse? What it has to do with this conversation? Sure. Um, we see this all through the scriptures since we were first kicked out of the garden that God is making things new. God seeks to dwell in a holy place with holy people and is continually doing the work of redemption to make that happen. And that he's the only one that can make us new. We cannot we cannot do a bunch of good things to make our bad things go away. There's nothing in our power like that, but God has the power to redeem and restore and make something new. And he says he's making all things new. And so I think for, um, for people who have like, a, we all have a past, we all have some amount of time where we were walking in disobedience and we were brought into restoration, but... Sometimes if we have a past that, you know, has like overt crime or something like that, it's easier to see this like big line drawn in the sand. But Jordan, I hope it would be easy for you to say, like when I picture myself in that motel bathroom doing heroin, that you look back and you say, that's that's not me. That is the old me and I'm a new man in Christ. And that the old is gone and the new is coming. God put a new spirit within you and that he trades out a heart of stone for a heart of flesh, that he changes us, he makes us new. And so we have that as really, really good news for our kids. When you think about parents who are unexposed to the gospel or they're not walking with Christ, they may try to influence their kids to be good or to be law abiding. But without this good news, that is really, really difficult. But we serve this God that can make us new, that he can wipe out our iniquity. He can make us white as snow. Nothing else in our world has the power to do that. We can trick ourselves or try to have some sort of gimmicky, hey, let's all forget about the past type things, but only God wipes out our sin. We have no hope outside of Jesus Christ. And so we can look back and say, that was the old me, which is dead. um, And I'm dead to sin and I'm alive to righteousness. And we have that throughout the scriptures, not just in this passage, um, to say that we can be made new. And that's really, really good news. Yeah. Thank you, Chelsea. I want to stick with you here for a second, because I think there may be a lot of people listening who think are thinking about their own past and not really knowing whether or how or why they should be sharing their past. And we're having Jordan on because Jordan has a not unique, but certainly more rare version of this where one day his kid is going to be exposed to his story probably no matter what. There's going to be a day where the word dope fiend is associated with Cal and Elena Joy's dad. And he's going to explain like, this is why there's a video out there that says dad was a dope fiend and this was my story. And Jordan doesn't have any way around it. He's he's got to do it someday. But for a lot of parents, they may be saying, well, I don't have to, so maybe I won't. Chelsea, can you talk to us a little bit about why knowing how, when, and whether to process part of our past with our kids is an important aspect of family discipleship modeling? Why is this something that we think every parent should be considering a little bit? Well, first, I want to say, Jordan, I think that I've processed some of your story with my kids already um, (laughs) because it's a miracle. Because so many people that um, are addicted to drugs or um, go through rehab or go through incarceration never, never have a recovery. 
a lot of people spend yeah. their life in it. Once they go down that path, they don't get off of it. And you and Rain have taught me a lot about that, that most people who go through through rehab don't don't achieve a full recovery from drugs and alcohol. And so I think I've shared it in an age-appropriate way with my kids, but I honestly just to point to the glory of God and how awesome he is, that he saved you and Rain and that he rescued you guys from something that was really hard and that and that you needed rescuing from. We can't rescue ourselves from th- things like that. We need the Lord to pull us out of it. And um, I'm just so grateful for the work the Lord's done. I wanted my kids to know that that God's doing miracles around us, you know, and in the lives yeah. of people that we love. Yeah. I mean, we're so grateful to have y'all in our life and to think that just how devastating that would have been if God had never pulled you off of that path. So we're so thankful for that. Yeah. Um, I think we all need to pray for wisdom when it comes to how and when and whether to process part of our past. I think there's a lot of questions about the details maybe, and that can be difficult to think about exactly how how detailed do we go? What what has the potential to traumatize our kids rather than inspire them? Stuff like that. But I hope that all of us can walk in a lot of freedom over the fear that we might make a mistake, but just a freedom to know that um, God can use us in the lives mm. of our kids. So we we may say, oh, I wish I hadn't said it like that, or I wish I hadn't said it so early or so late, whatever it is. But yeah. uh, I want us to all be gracious with ourselves. If, if we're trying to point our kids to Christ and we're trying to disciple them, God's going to use our efforts and we don't have to beat ourselves up about doing it perfectly. Yeah. And, and there isn't really a perfect model for this, but yeah, we want to think about what's age appropriate. We want to think about what our kids can handle at any given time and um, our kids' maturity and their ability to, um, right. like if we wait till really late for something like this and our kids are teenagers and they and then they find out, and then they're kind of already in a rebellious place saying, whatever, well, you did this too, dad, so I'm going to go do it now. You know, I mean, it's hard to like guess perfectly what the right time is, but I think there's wisdom for that. And uh, for most of us, there's someone who's gone before us that could maybe help us decide. Yeah. Well, not every part of our story is yeah. R-rated, right? I mean, right. so like, even if it's talking about, I mean, I was just talking with one of my girls about a playground incident. I remember when I was a kid and how I was taught a lesson and like, and just trying to, and then transferring that hopefully wisdom to them because they, one of them had a hard day this week uh, with some friends on a playground. And so it's like some of our, I mean, God has given us our story and every every little mistake that we've had is an opportunity to like leverage and share that with our kids. And we're not going after right. better behavior, right? It's not just so that I can like somehow rescue my children from bad behavior right. with bad right. consequences. It's new hearts. And so it's like, the idea is that it's like what motivates us to make our decisions. I mean, even if a parent's never sat in prison or in a motel bath or whatever, there are still times that you've had mm-hmm. idols in your heart that have, you know, led you to destructive things. And and God is hopefully, if you're, you know, in Christ, that God's guided you out of that and he's renewed your heart. And so I just think it's like, I mean, I think you start with just talking about the little mistakes that maybe are G-rated or PG and you're just like, you're practicing kind of the rhythm of like, let me tell you about how mom did this. And A, that models for them. Mom isn't perfect. Dad isn't perfect. Once again, we've talked a lot about that before, but about how like in our past aren't perfect. It's littered with choosing things other than God and choosing ways that weren't Mm -hmm. his ways and how like he set us back on course corrected us, you know, but man, if they think we're just going after good behavior, then we're, it's a huge miss, right? Right, right. Yeah, well, we have those conversations regularly. You know, in the present, we are very fallible. Dad is constantly asking forgiveness of uh, his recent yeah. yesterday, you know, and nightly devotions. 
you know, Cal's struggling with like, he's obsessed with his birthday that's six and a half months away right now and what, what he's getting. <laughs> and it's like, even um, we do a, a, you know, one of our, our time, you know, things is we do a gratitude list every day and they see that and we talk about mm. that and <laughs> the things that he's grateful for last night and this morning are the things he's grateful that he's getting this present he has wished for in six months from now. And uh, yeah, it's, it's an amazing concept though. Cause I was talking to him about, Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Right now. What are we thanking God for that? We actually have right now, because if we're living in the future, we're never going to be happy, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm constantly having to do that too. And check myself. I'm like, Hey bud, daddy is so guilty of living in the future constantly. And just full of, mm. you know, I can never be fully present and happy now. And, um, Anyway, yeah, there's constant moments of my my uh, present that I need to um, ask forgiveness for, and I'm modeling uh, imper- imperfection constantly. Yeah, I think what you're talking about there is really like relatable, Jordan. That that's a lot of people. Yeah. So now, Cassie, what you were talking about a minute ago, that's I, I feel like I use my past every week with my kids. I, I'm constantly telling them. Well, one, my kids are grown up pastors' kids. I grew up a pastors' kid. I have three boys. I certainly know what it's like to grow up as a boy. I get to relate to the things they're curious about, the things they will be curious about. I get terrified of thinking of like how I'm going to talk them through dating, knowing how terrible I was <laughs> at dating back in the day, uh, not at dating their mom. But like I have a lot of mistakes there that I can certainly rely upon. But I also think there's a redeemed version of Adam. Griffin that gets to speak to why I am not that way anymore. I was a mischievous kid. I was terrible in the way I treated the women that I dated or the friendships that came and left or the teachers that I disrespected. And so I get to speak from the position of a man who's a new creation, redeemed from those things, but get to use my past not as a way of threatening or bribing, but as yeah. a way of relating and telling them, this is why your dad knows better. And I don't want to hide things from our kids. Uh, we do want to protect them, though. We want to be wise about what's helpful. We don't want to glorify yeah. our sin story. We don't. We we do want to be honest that sin doesn't always feel painful. I mean, for being honest, there were days, probably Jordan, when you were addicted, that you were like, "This is I'm doing this because this is great." And I had a party time in my life where I'm going, "Man, this is more fun than not partying." There was something really appealing about it and satisfying about it, especially at the time. But probably the simplest wisdom we could offer our parents is to be just this: be honest and use discretion. Yeah. Cassie, can you talk a little bit about what that would look like practically to be honest and to use discretion as a parent? Practically. Yeah. I mean, I think that as you're as you think through your story and maybe some of the pain points, you know, or some of the things that you would hope you could your story could spare your kids from having as part of their story, even maybe think through how to distill it. And so this would be, you know, this hopefully will take some prep work. Hopefully you're not like shooting off the hip and find yourself, you know, spiraling into some like dark things that are maybe over their heads or they're not ready for developmentally or emotionally. Um, But think through like those pain points and how you might distill them or even share about them in a way that honors God and doesn't lead them down like a curious, a curiosity path that ends up not really honoring God, but just kind of like makes a mess of the whole situation. And again, we can look at scripture, right? God tells hard stories uh, in scripture without making much of sin, but instead like glorifying, you know, himself and him as the, the redeemer of all things. And so I'm trying to think of a good practical example from my own life, but our kids just aren't quite yet old enough. We haven't really gone other than like the kind of some incidences at school where we've talked about with parent or with um, me as a kid disrespecting a teacher or, you know, having a difficulty on a playground. I, oh, lying. That's one. We have, we have a, we have 
we struggle with telling the truth in our house. We've got a couple little girls who prefer making up stories or whatever. And so I've definitely been able to share some stories about how, man, while I thought telling a lie would get me out of trouble or whatever, you know, and instead the truth is so much better, even if it brings about consequences. And so I guess my best practical advice is think through those pain points, think through the stories that you would like to share with your kids and a way to distill them in a way that doesn't like lead them down a path of curiosity or I don't know, that's unhelpful. In terms of practicality, if we're we're kind of talking about stories that have a lot of sin in our past, but if you're if a big part of your story includes a wounding of abuse or something um, that you've been a victim of, uh, I just want to say like I would really educate yourself on maybe some some points of what's healthy and how you share that with your kids. What you never want to do is create a situation where your child. Um, has to become your comforter uh, that yeah, that really right. manipulates That's the parent-child good. dynamic. Your child expects you to be their comforter um, and keep them safe and protect them. And so if we share something about our lives that is sad or difficult in a way that the child then becomes our comforter or feels like they have to try to help take care of mom or dad in the moment for some parents that could feel good or right, but it, that really jeopardizes um, the dynamic between parents and children. Um, so I just say, be careful about that or um, talk to somebody who, who's good. an expert in that um, to understand how you can share that. Maybe it's still hard. Maybe it's still difficult, but here's what God is doing or here's what God has done or that I trust that God will heal me completely one day from this or whatever, but not to where we're looking to the child yeah. to say, can, child, can you please make mommy feel better? That's not okay, but it can, it can be tempting. No, that's good. I think that's something we talk a lot about with divided homes to not weaponize your kids against another parent or another person and don't exploit your kid to be something they're not supposed to be for you. They Let God be the God in your life. Let uh, your peers be your peers. Remember that you have a servant-hearted authority right. in your kid's life where they are not to be some kind of comfort. Uh, we've, we hear that a lot in teen pregnancies too, that people will tell us that a girl wanted to have a kid because she wanted someone who would love her unconditionally. And the reason that we are parents is not so that we can be served or we can be uh, made much of or that we can get what we want from a kid. And we don't want to exploit our past likewise to create sympathy uh, in our kids. Uh, Jordan, as we close out, can you just kind of talk to us a little bit? How has your history, who you are now in Christ, help you shape the way you want to lead your home going forward? Like when you think about the the difference Christ has made in your life, the gospel, how does it shape Jordan and Rain Rogers as parents? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, uh, we have a uh, acute awareness of our brokenness and others' brokenness and are comfortable in that. And yeah. so we know that like for me, we are not perfect and we're going to continue to model that. And there's love and, and there's God's forgiveness for us in that. Um, and it's important to try to love ourselves and to try to continue to work on ourselves as well. And then others, you just hear in the way that people talk about things or homelessness is one that comes up often for us, you know, like with, uh, with the kids, you know, I'm, I mean, one of the great things we've done is we start talking about homelessness with the kid. Why are people standing on the corner? What are they asking for? Daddy's talking to them or daddy's giving them things. So we made these kits with our kids, like with bottled water, mm. um, granola bars, socks, you know, some of the things people might need. And then they, they start to like, look, you know, they start looking for people. Oh, can we give them? And I'll, I give them the opportunity to hand it, hand it to them at times, you know, 
And it's like, I just think there's an acute awareness of brokenness and how do we serve them? How does God love those people? How does God love us? We've been there. And so how can we serve them? Um, We've been blessed in so many ways. And it's amazing how those conversations then start leading into when we're saying prayers with our kids. Gosh, Cal now prays for people to get money so they could buy a warm house, you know, like ours. He's grateful for our warm mm. home, you know, things like that. Like it's wild how that stuff. So I think that comfortable in, in the in the brokenness, we're forgiven and free to be able to live into that and model that for our kids. And mm. so it's important for me. I continue to do work. I go to counseling. Um, I s- try to serve people. I'm um, yeah. Try to be disciple to go to home group. I'm in church. Like I'm daddy is not a finished product and God's still working on me. Um, and still, still working on rain. Um, yeah. and then I'm, I take inventory and gratitude every day to try to acknowledge the gifts that God has given me because I so easily forget. And so I'm trying to model that for them and yeah. to try to, you know, steward that in them. Um, just because I need it just as much as they might as well. Lastly, I would just say I'm, I'm almost, good. I've been reading through the New Testament the last year or two, and I'm almost done. And, you know, the continuing themes that come up for me that are just so blatant, obvious, there's just like gentleness, humility, kindness, love, forgiveness. Like yeah. it just keeps coming up, you know, love, correct your brother, but do it in, in gentleness, yeah. you know, um, have gracious for the, hold them accountable, but do it in love, like, and above all these is love. And so that is really influencing my parenting right now, not provoking my children, not being quick to anger, just trying to love them and be Mm -hmm. gentle. So that's how, you know, that's kind of helping shape the way that I lead uh, our home. That's great, Jordan. Thank you so much for sharing that and being so vulnerable with us. Chelsea, you know the Rogers family really well. Do you have any specific encouragement, specific prayers we can share with or for Jordan and Rain and their kids as we close out? Yeah, we just love you guys. We see you and Rain as uh, doers of the word. And we're so encouraged by that. We're encouraged by your honesty, your vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, for our listeners, just tell y'all, we've been in home group with Jordan and Rain for a long time. Then there was a time where they moved to Portland for a few years. And then uh, by the grace of God, they're back, back in town with us and back yeah. in our home group. And something I said about your wife this week, a situation come up, came up with a very young woman in our neighborhood who's pregnant and needing help. And um, the lady at our church kind of coordinating that help didn't know Rain. And I said, well, you're just going to love Rain because as soon as Rain knows that somebody has a need, she's she's there. She's there on the doorstep. She's um, she's a doer. She's ready to take action. And so whatever you need, you can ask her and she's going to do it if she can. And so we see that in both of you guys. So y'all just, um, yeah, y'all live it out. And we're so grateful to have you guys in uh, in our community. Amen. Jordan, thank you so the much for being on this conversation with us. Hey, you got it. You got it. The pleasure's mine. All mine. Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please give us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode with one of your friends who would really benefit from it. If you want to keep up with us or join the conversation, you can follow the Family Discipleship Podcast on social media. We love you, listeners. We'll be back next week with more great stuff. We'll see you then.